You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse has a boot option for work and play, specifically the Alpha Burley Pro. Now, the Alpha Burley Pro delivers an athletic and glove like fit that will hold the foot tight into place. Now, I know a lot of us, when we're walking to the tree stand uh, up and down hills, we don't like it when our feet are slipping around in the boots. So, the Alpha Burley Pro, it's tight to your foot. It locks in the heel, and it allows you to be very mobile and very comfortable at the same time. It's very waterproof, and it comes in a variety of insulation options and camel patterns. Check out the Alpha Burley Pro at lacrossefootwear.com. Welcome to Land Lakes Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. <laughs> you're two goobers you're listening to this week. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, this is the podcast. They just rambled all together, but you know what? That was too good to erase and re record. What is that goat you saw on Facebook where the guy's talking? It's like. Every time he just cuts them off, like, shut yeah. up, shut up. So this is our hunting podcast, and uh, we have... And you're probably wondering why you're still listening. <laughs> for the, the heck do these two For guys the two know. of you guys, yeah. or two of you people that are still listening. Thanks, Mom. No, say thanks, thanks, Kirsten, Di, and thank you, <laughs> Judy, uh, Judy, Judy Keith. Keith yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, so proud of this. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> this is what happens when you record podcasts at 1030 at night after a long weekend of shows and, and uh, I don't even know, a long you know month what? of. This is going to be a knockout podcast. It started out strong, lots of, you know, just laugh and fun, but we're talking about bottlenecks, which for a hunter. Not turtlenecks. <laughs> bottlenecks. Or, or turtleheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bottlenecks. <laughs> so. Like this is the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme of tree stand hunting points. Like this is where everyone wants to find. And to me, the reason that this is our topic is because as we go into hunting season, there's a lot of guys that are like, "Oh, the deer are on the acres. Uh, they're all the crop fields are still have not been harvested. It's it's tough to kill deer when the crops are still on the fields." Uh, it's tough to kill deer when we have tons of acorns. And so that's where it comes down to really trying to find those bottlenecks. And that's where we're trying to, on this podcast, identify bottlenecks, identify ways to hunt the bottlenecks, and uh, some of our favorite ones that come to mind. 
Yeah, totally. Um, we're gonna run through a long list of it's. Not all of them are are bottlenecks, but they help create bottlenecks within the timber, um, and some are applicable to certain portions of the uh, whitetails range, where others eh, I don't really have those. But at some point, everyone has. Uh, You'll have seen a show, seen someone kill a great deer off of one of these or in and around one of these. Um, number one is fence gaps. Like every, I don't, I kind of always wonder, like how many linear feet or miles of fence line is out there on the landscape? You know how many barb wire fence, five strand barb wire fence I've crossed in my life or strung? It's I bet I've crossed more five strand with loose wire than I have tight oh, wire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice and I ever nature. tell you about the time I, I got it completely straddled. It was like a four or five wire old old wooden post barbed wire fence. Got it completely straddled, and the and the the staple came out of the post. I don't believe so. Oh man! And I had to, of course, that's not a good place to be. No. And uh, You're very vulnerable in that I, position. I clenched them, clenched them up tight, Wait, the and kind of your butt cheeks, my, my butt cheeks, <laughs> oh. and I clenched them tight, and I leaned back, and I'm like, help! And my buddy Garrett came and just pushed, pushed me off, oh, and I, funny. oh, it was terrible. Just try to keep that other leg swing it high up over top. That's right. That's not, it, yeah, that's a very scary. awful t- time to have that just happen like that so fence gaps there's fence gaps. great for deer horrible to cross Hor- horrible to cross <laughs> and that's why it's great for deer yeah. they don't enjoy crossing them either they're yeah. continuing to take the path of least resistance and that's what they do they're lazy like us they are conserving energy because they have a long winter to survive outside they have a long summer to survive outside that's why they're trying to conserve energy and so they get the name or get the the uh stereotype of they take the path of least resistance so if you're hunting cattle farms or you're hunting around um, anywhere that has been a cattle farm you've run across fences and whenever you have a standing fence um, running for however however far if you find a spot where it's lowered and that is in an area where deer typically traveled you're probably going to find a great little bottleneck here's one tip i'm going to give on hunting fence gaps is not to is to not necessarily put your stand directly over top of that fence gap. It's very easy to do it because the sign is so evident. You're like, well, they are coming right here. But when a deer, and I, this is super important because the degree or varying degree of a pinch in a bottleneck situation will deer will respond differently to it. So if if there's a it's a very tight um, small area that they are forced to go through, they go through it very quickly. And if you are in a position, certainly with a archery tackle, and you're sitting over top of a fence gap, a lot of times they will approach that fence and hop it very quickly. And their next couple steps are actual hops or little runs. And they could be 30 yards, 35 yards, very, very quickly beyond um, that fence that you're sitting over top of. So it can be tough to slow that deer down. And then when you do slow them down after they've hopped and ran, they're still in a little bit of a pinch that when you try and stop them with a meh, meh, they're already on edge and they will jump a string so quickly. So use that bottleneck as a great resource to hunt deer. But depending on where they're it. coming, 
to or to or from hunt on the side that's going to give you the best and and the calmest deer and that's not just with fence gaps that goes that, with oh, all kinds of really these. yeah all uh, of these different types of bottlenecks be very smart about again know how the deer and which direction they're coming from because as they approach the closer they get to that pinch the more alert they're going to be okay i gotta say this joke since we're already having a good time here i saw that on facebook the other day when you said that matt matt you're throwing oh, yeah. out that last ditch effort uh here it is this is what i saw on facebook when a big buck is cruising by and won't stop so you throw out that last ditch effort mouth <laughs> and it's a picture of a goat because how many of us have done it you just get louder and louder more intense um but with all these pinches be very mindful of that you don't want to i've i have i can remember a couple in particular i've backed out of certain areas because of the intensity of the pinch and i knew that my best effort was going to be further away from this extreme bottleneck than right over top of it. So we've got fence gaps. Lowering fences is a great way to um, create them if you aren't, if they're not already present. Or go the opposite of that, lower the fence and raise it in other places. Yeah, yeah. Um, creek crossing. Got That's- to love creek crossing. Every, I'm not going to say every property by any means has creeks. But everyone typically has access to or has hunted in and around a creek um, and seen the varying degree steepness of the way the water has washed through certain areas to change the flow and to change the steepness of the banks. So be very mindful of the easiest place for deer to cross on a creek crossing. And again, I'm going to say it. They do not, they run up banks. They don't just typically meander up a bank. Um, They're a lot more susceptible to predation um, in these creek crossings. So they're going to go through the place that's easiest for them to get through, but then quickly go through it. So keep that in mind. Back off that creek crossing itself a little bit and hunt maybe if you can, if, 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 if you can get a little bit deeper into the woods. Or maybe it's the field edge that's 30 yards off that creek crossing. Um, you don't have to necessarily be on it. Now, it sounds silly not to be on the X, but it will help down the road. Um, so we've got creek crossings. Definitely study the banks. Field edges. Um, this goes to crop country or if you're in cattle country. Um, the field edges and those specifically that have um, multiple habitat types coming together is going to create that bottleneck, or I say habitat types, really mean vegetation types, whether it be a field or a young forest coming together, it butts up to the field, or maybe you have a thin, narrow strip of hardwoods along a field and then it transitions to a clear cut. When you have multiple of those coming together along a field edge, that is a heck of a bottleneck, massive intersection, and those are certainly points to key into oh absolutely cattle farmers listen up yeah and and i i think honestly they're they're certain super important to key into but we have to be really mindful of the wind in these areas because and then the next one is a field corner which you know field edge and corner i think they're all gonna to me coincide but like when you have so many different types habitat types coming together excuse me 
vegetation types coming together. Deer can come from so many different directions at that point. I think of a f- when you look at a field corner, one that really comes to mind is when you think of a big pasture that's surrounded by woods and you have a, a very sharp corner and the pasture's been grazed or there are cows still in the pasture to where you go to that corner and deer are trying to go from one side of the field to the other, but they don't want to cross the field through the cows, so they go right around just the back corner. That's They a great, shave off that little corner. That's right. Yep, save time, walk through with ease, but still be in close proximity to security if if something goes haywire. Um, the next one is draws and drainages. I, I think of, like, looking at maps when I was a younger kid. I'm still a kid. We're all kids. Of, like, northern Missouri or, or Iowa. And, like, the lay of their land, the way the land use is um, – and the terrain has so many different fingers, wooded draws, drainages in that habitat. And the way they all connect and work with one another, I every pro- I feel like this is an exaggeration, but every property seems like when you look at it has five, ten different little bottlenecks in their drainages that they come together. And they're so popular um, in these areas, it, it's crazy to look at a map. Be like, I, I kind of start drooling because there's so many places. Like, if I could get there, I could kill deer there. Oh, totally. And, and like, they jump off the screen or an aerial map at you and smack you square in the face. Um, Bottlenecks are a lot easier to find in in those. If you have fields in your area, or prairie or crop fields, I I I, I kind of want to. Smack them sometimes. Yeah. yeah. When, when Me you complain too. about not killing deer or having a tough time, because like my gosh, the the areas you can see, <laughs> we can't see through our landscape because there's so many trees. Um, or if it's not trees in area area, it's just fescue pastures. It's like my gosh, I I hate seeing it um, because there's there's we have these great expansive views, but deer aren't even out there <laughs> in the pasture, so it doesn't really do us any good. Um, but in those areas, in those types of terrains and, and habitat types, you can see so much. And, and if you're not seeing deer, you know, they're absolutely 100% in the timber and in those small neck down narrow areas. So drains and draws. One thing, some I think of my favorite hunts have happened on draws, um, to where you basically look at the side slope of a ridge and you see kind of the almost like how would i even describe this you see the topo lines start to kind of like kick in and go uphill where it looks like they're going up the ridge and you start fine tuning on those and finding those draws and then if you can get it to where it stops right at the top of that draw or or drainage the deer work their way around that we've had some killer hunts. oh my gosh we've had tons of of great hunts because typically if you're if you're at those the top of those drainages and, and the the drain, especially in highly erodible soil areas, so crop areas, um, those drains become very steep, and deer do not cross them like laterally. <laughs> they will go up and around the top of them. So if you're sitting perfectly placed at the very top, you have your wind go down the drain because deer are not coming across them because of the steepness of those. They will come out and in front of you, and it it's a slam dunk. They will hug the top edge. 
of that drain and, and just it's killer, killer, killer spots. Um, what we have in our area, a bunch of because of the terrain are saddles. Saddles are, I would say, are, are pretty much our draws, if you will, in the Midwest. We key in a lot on hunting saddles because they pop out on a map. They're very easy to recognize in terrain country. And because we talked about it earlier, they bottleneck deer because it's the path of least resistance in walking in terrain areas. It's not the highest point. Or is that the second highest point? It's that low spot in between. So they are going to, whether it's walking around a ridge, walking over a mountain, they will cross in these saddles because they're using less energy to have to go all the way up to the top. Yeah. So they cross Picture like saddles. a, uh, I don't know, just a, a ridge that somebody gave it an old karate chop and made a dent in it. That's what happened to there it. There we go. That simple. <laughs> that simple. That's what it looks chop. like. God just went around. Yeah. But a, a Judy <laughs> chop and a karate yeah. chop. Giving like a and back a massage to all chop. these ridges. That's right. It. That's basically what a, I think of the big one on the Prairie Hollow property big that we've got a cutty back camera on right now. That's just it's Lit sending up. us sending us pictures where they're just cutting through it nonstop, and it's a great reminder of the of the power of a saddle. One of the biggest problems with saddles, though, is inconsistent winds. Yeah, and, and the basically the broadness or the steepness of the saddle, and, and where it's a broadness, it's like how wide is that area? Because if it's if it's only twenty yards. And you're in the timber, that wind's probably going to swirl through there because you have so much terrain change within that 20 yards. But if it's broader, you have less terrain change, but then you have less degrees of bottlenecking because it's a broader saddle. So there's other things that we can do, but it does not matter right now because we're talking about the the key features and terrain features that will create bottlenecks. So if you're in terrain country, be keen in and looking for the places that God karate chopped ridges, <laughs> the depressions in like. ridges. Keep it simple, key stupid. That's <laughs> what it is. Um, one that seems really silly, but is certainly one, and we've talked about it on and shown it <clears throat> on a film, is the is a house. A house, whether it is Granny's stuck, Corner, Granny's Corner, whether it's stuck out in the middle of the timber. Um, along the back edge of a field, whatever it may be, houses will create bottlenecks. There's a a void, if you will, in around certain areas, just depending on the activity around that house, that deer will kind of not cross or go into it. It's that that barrier um, of that sense of secure of unsecure area around that house that will then create a bottleneck for hunters to be able to key into. So um, even though there might be a house. Use that to your advantage. And I would say um, if those people are um, active out in the outdoors and they're, they have they throw their scent out there occasionally, um, use that to your advantage. Maybe you can use that house to access from um, and, and get to a stand that, that has now created you a bottleneck because of the house and typical disturbance in that area they may not think of you as a disturbance by utilizing that house or that residential area as a bottleneck same thing with barns barns are everywhere on properties that are hunted leased um whether you own them does not matter there's probably a barn think of the old farmhouses yeah it could be an active or inactive barn or farmhouse that was 
occupied at one point that's just kind of an open area that uh, got abandoned, but deer were conditioned over time to go just around the outside edge of it. And a lot of times with these old barns, though, too, you've got to be mindful of the fences and potential fence gaps around these barns. There's a little bit of a void maybe around that barn. Um, and then with, <coughs> without that, I mean, with, within those areas, there are fence gaps um, that have to be uh, utilized from a hunting standpoint that is going to bottleneck the deer as they kind of make the void around the barn. They're going to really pinch down on those absolutely incredible fence gaps. Sometimes they're knocked all the way flat against the ground, or maybe it's just a couple wires that are knocked down. But over time, watch those areas. Um, a lake creates oh. some absolutely killer bottlenecks. And Gotta we have that boat usually. We are primed, prime, prime area to capitalize on the bottlenecks around lakes. Let's think about it for a second. In our area, within an hour's drive for, for us, there is Table Rock Lake, Bull Shoals Lake, Norfolk Lake, Truman Lake, Stockton Lake, um, Lake of the Ozarks, Lake of the Ozarks, Palm de Terre, Palm de Terre. If you want to go small it, lakes, we could go. Uh, there's Beaver Lake that's not far. Not far, and and this is really two hours. Like there's yeah. a couple of them right on the edge, but. Um, and then there's all kinds of small – this could even be a, a two-acre lake oh, yeah. or a one-acre lake or pond, pond, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if you're looking for ways to access um, and you have a boat of some sort or canoe, kayak, man, you can find some killer, killer bottlenecks. Yeah, and all those lakes <laughs> talked about within those that distance um, all have Army Corps of Engineer land around them. That's public ground. So if you have the gumption to be able to go out there and do it, watch and look on um, aerial photography, Google, whatever you may use, Hunt Terra, look at those areas and figure out just where to access, whether it is with a lake or whether it is uh, excuse me, by, by water or by land. But those lakes... One if by land, two if by sea. That's right. The British are coming. Um, but those pinches are 100% absolute killer, 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 especially in those areas that I feel like, um, they control a lot or, or change the elevation of the water. Um, because over time that change of elevation of water has made those banks and everything that much steeper along the edges of those lakes. So they have, uh, very, very defined areas where deer can and cannot go to and that creates incredible bottlenecks river yep i think a river um i love the bottlenecks along a river where it's it's trees and then it the amount of trees shrinks down to where all the deer that are coming up all those uh it basically you have a lot of deer moving through and then they all get pushed to this few trails I, I think of uh the property we hunt with richard lee in kansas a lot i think of rivers um and i think if you can or if you have the combination of rivers and bends oxbows all this stuff flowing water and, and ag fields 
in a close proximity because a lot of a lot of times you got in bottom ground um, moving water and and crop fields those pinches are absolutely incredible and you've got to be able to utilize them because you can use the river as access and I think a lot of people avoid that a lot of people come by land because it's easier but if you think outside the box and come by the river you will have incredible access and can get into those areas with minimal disturbance that the river has then created park the boat on the bank who cares but hunt those areas really really well I mean it, it's it's silly how um, how many of those you can find on a map just by a quick glance in, in a, any type of landscape whether you do have ag fields or not um, a lot a lot of the rivers honestly around here we were on the the one uh, Niangua that we, we did the film on that one didn't have a lot of ag fields around. It had some cattle pasture, but some of the bluffs that were created by the the years and years of that river. That's not should, even on our list. Well, I Ad, just added it. Bluffs bluff, um, creates bottlenecks. But if you utilize those, the terrain, the steepness of the terrain along the river's edge, you have more bottlenecks to then go in and um, hunt. So don't overlook rivers by cre that create bottlenecks and then accessing by the river roads this one is just simple uh, road systems over time or i'm thinking more along the lines of paved roads versus you know dirt road yeah. ones that are heavily traveled that truly do change the way deer work an area um and maybe it's a combination of a paved road and a creek that between the two of them, now there is just a narrow little strip through there. So you have to be able to find those and just, I, what's, what's the closest you've hunted to a road? Too close. Uh, <laughs> conservation area in Northern Missouri I hunted where I was like 40 yards from the road. That was a, hard, an hard access top. road. Oh, hard top road. Boy, that goes way back. Um, Still less than 100 yards. I've hunted multiple times much less than 100 yards away from a paved road. People were driving by. I'm not surprised um, by that. You were, you were moving down the paved road when you were <laughs> hunting, right? No, no. <laughs> Very stationary in the top of a tree. Um, but be, that spot was only good because of the bottleneck that that road then created in that area. Um, I, I don't – the road thing – doesn't bother me at all especially like if you have permission and you're seeing people drive by like hunt that place because it's good and don't worry if if people see you or whatever hey, if you don't have anything to worry about and you're there with 100 percent legality hunt it because deer are conditioned to hearing cars all the time like watching deer when they hunt that area they didn't pick their head up like they were so used to hearing those cars go by it was just natural to them. Um, but they knew that they didn't want to be within, I wouldn't say sight, but it would it would move their patterns along um, the edges of, of certain terrain types, creek, this and that. But the road, they didn't cross it that much. They worked parallel. And it was just uh, phenomenal, phenomenal hunting opportunities. 
fence lines. We talked about fence lines pretty much already. Um, but they, yeah, we did, did we? Right front, what? yeah. Yeah, I guess we, we, uh, we did it. We wrote it again. But ditches, ditches, it, and that really depends on the size of the ditch. I think when I think of a and ditch I'm bottleneck, with, I'm thinking are, people are probably think, well, what's the difference between a ditch and a drain? A drain yeah. to me is a is a a nat like a naturally occurring because of natural runoff. Yeah, like steepness. The natural and topography. A, a, a ditch, ditch is more of like I think of like irrigation ditches and stuff like that, or small. Um, like they're not huge depressions and hillsides. No, and I think they're really steep. I think of places with little rocks, Kansas, Iowa, northern Missouri, where um, erosion has happened and we have a 10-foot drop, and you get that over 100 yards. Well, at the end of it or the beginning of that, there's probably a bottleneck if deer are trying to go from one side to the other. So the ditches are, are incredible bottlenecks. Um, those typically are for the guys in the crop country where you don't have rocks. We don't have ditches like that in the Ozarks. I, I want like I I kind of used and said that um, in the drain at the very beginning of the podcast, talking about like the runoff. Um, ditches, in in my opinion, are in the flatter areas. A drain can still be caused by erosion, but they're in areas that are much steeper than a a ditch. A ditch I feel like is um not in like this this massive elevation change area. Whether it's an irrigation ditch or it is a slight runoff that does create the erodible soil. Um I think to me it's that elevation change. Everyone's ter- terminology and this and that is, is different of drains, draws, and ditches. I think we covered that actually about this time last year when we did the podcast about um Oh, hunting in areas of topography, whether people called them um, drains, draws, funnels, whatever, in the timber, um, in areas of topography. So, um, What's a funnel? Funnel? <laughs> What's a funnel? Some people call bottlenecks funnels. Oh, yeah. Or oh, pinches. Yeah. Pinch points. Um, all these ones are super common across the landscape, and they all, they all funnel pinch bottleneck deer down the one thing i think we need to talk about is hunting these areas on the right winds and the difference between wind dead in your face versus giving the deer a little bit of an not an advantage i would say but a uh, a little more comfortable crossing through these areas because sometimes in these areas that are such good pinches deer are already on edge as they go through them. And if they don't have the ability to basically check what's further out in front of them, check predators, um, they don't go through them. They're not stupid. They don't go through them certain like on certain winds because they will not put themselves in that much danger, period. That's right. So understanding, okay, when are they going to use this? Um, it's going to be on certain winds and then finding the right tree, the right approach to be able to hunt that on that certain type of wind. If it's that severe of a bottleneck time of the year too. I'm thinking we're getting for most of the whitetail hunters out there. We're getting close to people start really focusing in on bottlenecks. Bottlenecks are one of those that you could be successful throughout the season but they're also that time where 
if you hunt them too early, don't you, expect you to kill your out. biggest buck there um, because it's these are little areas that the deer are already on edge, like you mentioned earlier. So if we go in and really put them on edge, kill a couple of deer at them, there's a good chance that spot's burned out for a while. Yeah, if, if not utilize forever. It at different times of uh, different times of the day, and most likely at, at dark or after dark. So um, as as deer continue to increase the amount of activity that they have during daylight hours as we're getting closer to pre-rut and the rut, these bottlenecks are going to become that much more important. Um, so if you're a trail camera guy, find scrapes in these bottlenecks. That will give you a humongous inventory of the deer bucks use, utilizing those areas. And you will seriously be able to see a big change in the amount of, I guess, the frequency and and a change in the in the time frame in which they're going through these bottlenecks during Great. daylight hours. I, I think of the Penn State blog um, where they did the study on yes. the radio collar, the three-and-a-half-year-old buck, and he moved, like, from, I forget. In, in October, he moved 24 miles in that whole month, just from point to point to point to point to point, 24 miles. <clears throat> it was not... 24, just uh, you know, one straight line. Just within his home range, he moved 24 miles. And then within the month of November, uh, it was 96 miles. 93 or 96, I can't remember, but it was a crap ton. Crap. I mean, he basically quadrupled his movements. And if you're in those areas that are already bottlenecking deer, forcing them through small areas, <clears throat> to me, that's, that's the like, time to hunt. To me, that's it's the, the difference of in October, you may go through that pinch once. In November, he may go through it three or four times. Yeah. yeah That's the difference. Exactly. exactly. Um, so your chances, boom, increase that much more. So if you find a pattern of a deer doing something pretty regularly, you can bet in the next couple of weeks, months, that deer is going to only increase that activity if those food and bedding areas don't change um, between now and then. So, shoot, this is the time to start. I'm not going to say Locating, for sure. Yes. Not necessarily transitioning to hunt, but locating these bottlenecks. and Maybe even putting in that trail camera on a mock scrape, trying to figure out exactly how often they're coming through there. And who's using it. All right, so would you rather hunt a lake bottleneck in September or a... Well, this is stupid. A creek crossing. No, I'm not going to do two waters. I'll say a field edge or a lake bottleneck. Just based on right now, if I say, hey, let's go hunting, we can go up and hunt this lake or we can go hunt this field edge. Which one? Lake. Yeah. Because ain't no deer in fields around here. They're on acorns. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, to me, it would go because on a field – there's still a chance that he could cross through the field. Mm-hmm. On a lake, he ain't crossing through the water. He ain't going to swim it. Yeah. I mean, unless there's some crazy thing. But unless for the most part. Unless he's got a pack of hounds or beagles <laughs> trailing him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, anyway. That's, I, I would. I am very excited to try and do more lake stuff around here. Um, I, don't know, I just got, got the bug here recently. But there's so much opportunity around um the fingers and just that's the that's the crazy thing the slight elevation changes around man-made lakes will create 
some awesome fingers and um, different points to be able to access that normally would not be available to, to most hunters. So think outside the box and utilize the banks and everything around lakes to Hopefully your everybody enjoyed this one. Hopefully yeah. you can uh, use this information to find more bottlenecks on your farm. And don't overestimate them. Be safe out there. Um, another week of hunting, and we will catch you next time. I'll see ya.